I heard I heard a whole bunch of positivity and then Logan with his negativity. That's what I'm here for. Can't have it too positive around here. <laughs> no. You know what happens if you're too positive? You sum up to negative one twelfth. And that's life as a Bucks fan. All right. Hello, people of the internet. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Internet Football Podcast. I am your host, or one of your hosts, Steven. And joining me this week, I've got Logan. Hello. Graham. Hello. And Tyler. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today, wherever you're listening to in the world. Um, man, it's an exciting week. Uh, start of a new podcast, start of a new season of football. Definitely a weird season of football this year, but... It, Honestly, I'm just kind of glad to, that they're attempting to have a season. Uh, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. I'm longing to watch sports other than hockey because hockey's going to end. So football, yes. Wow, like putting football over hockey is like, oh no, just because it's about to end, you're definitely happy something's coming in. Yeah, hockey's in their conference finals. It's almost done. That was a hard pivot there. I'm like, wait, I thought Tyler actually liked hockey. Like, I would have just riffed on hockey legitimately because I'm so indifferent towards it. Listen, I'm I'm a new hockey fan, but football's been my like ride or die ever since I was little. Well, this is the first year where I'm able to bet on football, so legally, I mean, and uh I fully anticipate this funding my uh gambling endeavors for the foreseeable future. Wait, I thought you said you were going to gamble. Oh, I'm definitely going to. Oh, I see. You're implying we're going to make money. Yes, that's exactly ah. what I mean. Well, naturally. I mean, why else does anyone do anything in America? I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Can we make a prediction on how much money Graham's going to lose? Over under one cent. Tyler. So, hey, we're saying that he's going to get positive. Or negative. That's why the over under is one cent. DraftKings is going to have an extra Christmas party this year, is all I'm saying. Graham, I think I'll, I think I'll lock in my bet that you're going to be positive tree fitty oh thank you thank you very much steven and by that i mean three dollars and fifty cents i will take it i think you're gonna be negative 69 cents that's not bad you're you're too kind i really am because i don't want you to buy any chicken nuggets oh oh wow how why would you why would you curse him with something so sad because I want chicken nuggets, so he can't have any. I don't have enough oh money gosh. for chicken nuggets. All right, well, for those of you just joining us, which is everyone, to be honest, because this is the first episode, uh, what we're going to do each week is we are going to kind of give our overall thoughts on previous weeks. Obviously, with this being the start of the season, we'll just talk about how we think the season's going to go to start off, and then uh, we'll kind of talk about some games, or a couple games, at least three each week. I think we'll probably keep it at three. Just interesting matchups, um, things to look out for, possible X-Factors, uh, give our thoughts on who's going to win. And then at the end of the show, we will kind of run through the rest of the games in a quick segment that we'll get to in a little bit. So this is going to be a very interesting season, like we've mentioned. Um, obviously, the, this is unprecedented with lots of, lots of hurdles that the league is going to have to jump through thanks to COVID. But assuming that they are going to have a full season, uh, I just want to hear everyone's opening thoughts. What? How do we think the season is going to kind of shake out? Um, let's start with Tyler on this one. Of course, I'm hoping to have a full season like everybody is. But it's the thing of like, 
you know, how many games are going to get postponed, you know, how many teams are going to have a big outbreak of COVID since they are traveling to stadiums, there's no bubble involved. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, well, I, was, I, I did read something today from ESPN saying that uh, in this last week of testing, they only had one player uh, test positive for COVID, um, and then I believe there were seven staff. So it, it's not perfect, obviously, but, I mean, in terms of, you know, when you see other gatherings um, around the country having, like, dozens of people test positive, I mean, it seems like they're they're doing some decent work in terms of, like, trying to contain it. But yeah, as it stands, um, at least for week one, there's only five teams that are going to allow fans to enter, like, to be in the stadium. And at the moment, the max capacity is going to be a quarter, which honestly is probably still too much, in my opinion. But, I mean, a lot of teams are really trying to be respectful, but also trying to give this season their best shot, um, from my perspective. I guess so. Uh, it, It seems to me that the theory is we can't have people sitting next to each other because that's going to spread the Rona. My concern is, like, when people go up to go to the bathroom or to get food at halftime, it's like there's still going to be crowds. Just because it's going to look relatively empty in the stands doesn't mean that everyone's always going to have six feet of distance. Right. I personally don't think there should be fans there at all, but I know know teams have to make money these million dollar teams still have to make money so right i mean and like yeah i'm seeing five still feels a little odd especially since we really don't have everything figured out but i'm glad to see that a very good majority of the league is saying no for the time being uh in no to fans that is you know and, and hopefully the i mean obviously these owners are rich i think they can carry one season of a, a bit of a down year, you know, because if we think if we get things kind of um, figured out, then the next season, I think it could be their most profitable yet, assuming that like we've got everything under control by that point. Oh, gosh, if we can't have this under control after a year and a half, we deserve to not have any more football. I completely agree. I, like I said, at the moment, there are five teams that are going to let their fans in uh, for week one. We have Kansas City opening the season, and they're going to have a maximum of 16,000, which is, I believe, about a 20%-ish. Um, Miami's going to allow uh, 20%, which is going to put them in about 13,000 fans. Uh, Jacksonville is going to allow 25% of the capacity, which puts them just shy of 17,000. And double of last year's max attendance. I would actually be curious to see if they hit 25%. Like or or their max capacity. If there's one team that should have hopped on the bandwagon of not allowing fans, it should have been Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, but then Dallas said that they're going to allow fans week one, but they haven't officially announced it. They have a little bit more time, but still, like, make an announcement. And finally, the Colts are allowing fans into their home opener with a maximum of 2,500. Yes, it is a marked improvement from like the 20% they were thinking about as early as a week ago. So, like it seems reasonable, but at that point for in a stadium that can hold about 70,000 if I read that correct, for 2500 people, why are you having an open? Yeah, I have no idea about that either. I mean, there are high school high school football games where there are more people. Right, and it's like you would think that having that 
like having that few amount of people in a stadium should promote social distancing. But honestly, I I'm just like I don't know. That that seems almost worse than just not having people in a way. I just can't wait for uh Blue the Colts' mascot to shake his ass into somebody's mask-covered face. Really get the crowd pumped up. I, I don't know, man. I thought I read a report that at the moment there will be no mascots or cheerleaders in the games. Oh, really? We're, we're turning blue into glue? Graham, I miss you, bud. <laughs> I miss you too, Tyler. Yeah, so obviously some, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a tense um, start to the season because I think we're all just concerned about player and fan safety. Um, but... You know, I, I think if they do play, you know, if they play their cards right, I think we could have a successful or like not as successful as a full unpandemic season. But I think we could get the best out of what we can get, you know, with the cards that they're being dealt. I think I think it can be a good season. You know, there's a lot of obviously, you know, they had the draft, um, lots of new talent coming into the league, lots of changes in the off season. So, you know, it's one of those deals of like. When it comes down to if they can make it through and they have a Super Bowl champion, are people going to think that they're just it, – it's going to have like a little asterisk? You know, or it's like, oh, well, you won the Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, COVID. Or is it like, you know, I – or in a way, it's like, is it almost more earned? Because you had to fight not only 31 other teams and, you know, you had to be better than 31 other teams, but you also had to, like, avoid a pandemic, you know? I don't know. I – I do think it would be admirable to get through the pandemic with a Super Bowl win, but this is certainly going to be the asterisk year. It's like during a, the strike seasons when they have replacement players. Like, everyone sees those records as being like, yeah, well, they won those games, but they were with replacement players. I think COVID's going to be something similar where, like, yeah, you won, but only because you got lucky and stayed healthy. I think it'll be the perception. If, if if a lot of people test positive and like teams have to cancel games and there's a winner, I think that would be some perception of people. Like every team in your division had to cancel a few games except you guys. So, like, there's just no makeup time in football either. Like, if there's a game that's missed, they can't just tack it on at the end. It's just void, pretty much. Yeah, I was and honestly, I. I think the thing that sticks out in my mind is um, that season when uh, Miami and Tampa had to cancel their games, and basically they they used their bye week in week one. That stupid bitch Irma. Yeah, gosh darn you, Irma. But no, like it. But seriously, like you get one week in a year to rest, and if you have to cancel a game or like postpone a game, your bye week suddenly becomes not what you were expecting. Or if you've already had your bye, what are you gonna do? Right, like, will we see teams with, like, a 14-2 and two record then so- see some teams with, like, a 10-4 and four record? Like, how is that going to work? It'll be interesting to see, for sure. My personal belief, I think we should just count all games that aren't played as ties. Like, I think that's just the most fair way to determine it. I like that. I mean, I guess we could just leave them off entirely, because they are technically not played. But I think ties are the way to go. Because you don't want to put it in the win column, and you don't want to put it in the loss column. Or maybe they're going to take a fourth category on it. It's It'll be like wins, losses, ties, and then Rona. 
It's like, oh man, we went six, eight, zero, oh, and two. So wait, so Jacksonville's will be uh, oh, 14, zero, 2 It could be. Oh, knowing Jacksonville's luck, none of their games will get canceled. They'll just go a regular zero and sixteen. That really depends on if anyone in the Jaguars organization can count that high. I mean, I'd hope so. I mean, they have to count to at least 15. Isn't that the jersey number of their starting quarterback, the stash? I, I don't even, I don't think they know that number. I think they just look at his stash and they're like, yep, that's our guy. But after the season, they only have to count to one. And they only have to spell Trevor Lawrence. Okay, how do you spell, what is it, T-E- <laughs> Gosh dang it. QXP4. Are you trying out for the Jaguars, Steven? Hey, if I've got a shot in the NFL, it might be with Jacksonville. Let's just be honest. We're dissing them, but at the same time, like those are all NFL players, right? Like they Yeah, they'd kick my ass. And with me specifically, everyone in the front office would also be able to kick my ass. I think the owner strategy in that fight, Logan, would literally just be like he'd just take his money and just beat you with it. And Jacksonville, after they've cut all their stars, they have a lot of money. It's like, let me fight Tampa Bay. They've only got like three million left in cap space. <laughs> oh they really wanted to have a summer Christmas, but they played Santa Claus and just gave away their best attributes. No, what you don't understand is that like actually Santa Claus is like their new free agent uh, line signing, you know? Oh, he'd be a beast at right guard. He's holly, he's jolly, he's going <laughs> to road grade for people to run. Could you imagine Santa Claus on like a? Could you imagine Santa Claus on a pull route where the guard like you know like when the when the running back like does a toss but the guard pulls and like it becomes a leap? Could you just imagine being a linebacker and all of a sudden here comes good old Saint Nick just barreling at you? That'd be devastating. Okay, but but what number would Santa Claus wear? I mean, twenty five seems like the obvious answer. Ah, you can't be a lineman number twenty five. I think I think you would make an exception for Santa Claus, okay? No, I wouldn't. No, then if he wears 25, he has to be a fullback. San Fran's already signing him at fullback. Could you imagine those, uh, like those full house sets with Juszczyk, St. Nick, and uh, Mostert? And then you've still got George Kittle blocking for you on the edge? My I don't gosh. Think, to be honest, I don't think you would be able to see Mostert behind Santa Claus. <laughs> No, that's the perfect play. It's like the hide the pipsqueak play. It's like you just line Santa Claus up there and then three tailbacks each line up behind him. And it's like we never saw him. We just thought they trotted out eight offensive players. Although, let's be honest. Santa's a do-it-all player. He'd get some snaps in at Wildcat. I want him returning punts. He's going to be down there chimney all night long. <laughs> Gotta be honest, guys. When I thought about this podcast, never thought we'd be talking about Santa the fullback. <laughs> Ho, 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 that's six points, bitch. I'd buy that jersey. And I would and I would buy Graham that jersey. Oh, man. All right, guys. So, uh, I guess just closing thoughts. Obviously, Santa would make an excellent fullback. Uh, we hope that we can get through the season with everyone staying healthy, um, avoiding the Rona. And, I mean, I think I speak for all of us when I'm just really excited football's coming back. Same. And if you want the football season to continue in perpetuity, I recommend wearing a mask. Yes, absolutely. Wear, wear a mask. Don't grab... 
don't don't grab it. That's a 15 yard penalty. Oh yeah, of course. This podcast uh, endorses you wearing a mask and staying the fuck away from people. One hundred percent. Please wear a mask if you are listening to this. I mean, seriously, guys. It, I know it might be uncomfortable sometimes, but you know what? We'll get through this. All right. So let's move on to our segments about. I don't even have a clever title for this, but you know what? We're talking about uh, games that we personally find interesting. Um, could have some good key matchups in there, and I want to start this week off with um, the best team in the AFC last year going up against what should have been one of the best teams in the AFC last year, and that's obviously Cleveland versus uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, it, I always think it's kind of funny. I mean, I just in terms of my age, you know, I've never known football without the Baltimore Ravens, so I always kind of forget that the old Cleveland Browns became Baltimore. So looking up just some brief history between them, I they've only played 42 games against each other. So, I mean, Baltimore's only been in business for 22 years, you know, which is kind of surprising to me, you know, considering that, like, at least in terms of my football, you know, with growing up with Ray Lewis's, like, the captain of that defense, like, they've been a pretty prominent part of football, at least in my life. Certainly more prominent than the Browns during our lives. Right, Tyler? <laughs> uh, for, for one, that hurt, because it's true. Uh, two, it always seems that Baltimore has, like, a star player on their team at all times. Like, they had Ray Lewis, then they had Joe Flacco, who became a star, and now Lamar Jackson is blossoming into uh, pretty much, like, the future of the NFL with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, just starting off, you know, just the little brief history of the Browns and Ravens rivalry, uh, like I said, in they've only played 42 games against each other, and so far the Ravens hold a commanding lead of 31 wins to the Browns' 11. Um, and in terms of the last five years, the Ravens lead 7-3. to three. But what I found was funny was that um, two of the Browns' three wins in that time period, they had to win in overtime. So Cleveland, just get the Baltimore Ravens to overtime. You're going to win, obviously, right? I mean, stats don't lie. One of those wins in overtime was a Phil Dawson field goal that it did a bounce off, like, the bottom of the uh, the goalpost and flipped, like, in between the goalposts, and they had to review it, and they said it was good, and then the Browns won. So I remember watching that, and I was very excited. So the Browns winning through bullshit. Got it. Oh, yeah. Hey, it wins a win, baby. Um, But, yeah, but... And then that third win that they got um came last year. Um... Just coming from a split series. I mean, Browns pretty much handled the Ravens in their first meeting, uh, winning 40-25. to 25. Uh, But then, you know, Ravens got their collective shit together. Uh, you know, and come December, gave them a pretty much good old-fashioned beating, winning 31-15, to 15, you know. so. But obviously these two teams play each other very well. I know there's all the talk about Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, but I wanted to kind of bring up um, you know, you would think that Mahomes and Lamar are gonna is gonna be the QB matchup going forward, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But I mean, the Browns have their own young guy in Baker Mayfield, who's been in the league just as long as Lamar Jackson. You know, I mean, and it kind of shocks me with how much he's risen that Lamar was such a late pick, like, and people just didn't want to give him a chance. Um, it felt like you know, and the Browns taking Mayfield early. I think they were going to let him rest and 
you know, Lauren behind the veteran, who at the time was Tyrod Taylor. Um, but then when Tyrod went down in that Week 3 game, they just had to get Mayfield in. And Mayfield got the Browns that one win like after an 0-16 season. And I just think like he became a household name overnight. I mean, who else is going to teach him interceptions like that? Philip Rivers. Oh, my God. He's he's that bad. Got him. <laughs> I had to deal with him for 17 years. You get to deal with him now. It's going to be lovely. Hey, I love Rivers. No, no knocking. I just wish that he didn't gunsling so much. And honestly, I got to be like... Uh, what I found was funny was looking up Mayfield's stats. Like, he's turning into a little young Rivers, not going to lie. I mean, his first year he kept it pretty conservative, you know, throwing for almost 4,000 yards. And uh, I think only had 11 interceptions in his first. 3,800 yards. That's way over what I thought. Good job, yeah. Baker. No. Yeah, but it's like, so, I mean, but in that first season, having not played the first two and a half games, uh, you know, threw for 3,700 yards and get 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Like, that's that's pretty solid, I'd say, for a rookie. I would say that's pretty solid for anybody, rookie or not. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, last year, things just absolutely... I know it's the Cleveland effect. Like, I mean, of course, we've heard, like, Cleveland just really can't catch a break. But I swear, last season, I people were hyping them up so much. And then Baker just took a sophomore slump like crazy. Like, he threw for slightly more yards at 38-27, but you almost matched touchdowns for interceptions. And the crazy thing about that to me is that they went out, like, the Browns went out and got some talent. I mean, you went and go, you get Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. I mean, obviously, Odell's receiver number one. Jarvis was the number one receiver down in Miami. So now you've got two wide receiver one talents with each other. And it's just one of those deals of like, is that just a classic case of too much talent on the field? I've only watched Hard Knocks once, and it it was one of those episodes where they just showed a highlight of Jarvis Landry's hands, and it's unbelievable how good Jarvis Landry is. I, I there's no way the Browns are worse than last year. Right. So I guess I guess what'll be interesting to see the start of the season is. You know, you got all the talent. Was it? Is it just down to coaching? Um, I think part of it was coaching. Um, I think another part of it was coaching and personnel agreement. So you had Freddie Kitchens in, who, last year, who sort of took over the offensive responsibilities and forced Baker into a lot of, like, five- and seven-step drops, which traditionally he just hasn't really been that good at and he did a little bit of that his rookie season it didn't work and then they reverted to more of like these quick passes play action kind of stuff last year they went back to the deep drops which he wasn't good at combine on top of that the fact that Cleveland's offensive line was just not good so you're telling Baker hey spend two and a half seconds just backing up you're not going to throw the ball yet until you hit that back foot at the end of your drop but the guys protecting you aren't going to protect you. You're going to face pressure basically every other time you drop back to pass, which Baker's already not that good at doing it, and then you add pressure and sacks in the pocket onto that, and it's just not a recipe for success. This offseason, they came out and replaced their left tackle with Jedrick Wills, 
I'd say arguably the best tackle in this year's draft, if not the best. And they replaced their right tackle with Jack Conklin, who is a giant upgrade over their previous guy. So now Baker's got help on each end of the offensive line. He's going to have more time. Hopefully Stefanski, uh, who is the new head coach, I am confident he'll take over offensive duties, sees Baker's strengths and plays to them. He'll say, hey, we're not going to make you drop back seven steps. We're going to run Nick Chubb a whole lot behind our newly revamped offensive line. And I think good running backs are quarterbacks' best friends. And that'll open up the play-action game. That'll hopefully open up those deeper throws to be a little bit easier. And when you do have to throw them, you're going to have time. So to me, I I see the world as Baker Mayfield's oyster this season. Uh, I don't think he's going to become a bona fide superstar, but I do think he's going to take a giant step forward from last year. And even from his rookie year, I think he's going to take a step forward. I agree with that. I think I think it is a make-or-break season for him because, you know, he. we'll have to see how the coaching is. I think Stefanski's going to do a good job. Uh, he has the talent around him. He has Landry. He has Beckham. They got Austin Hooper. Hooper? Hopper? Hooper. Hooper, yes. Yeah, Austin Hooper out of a uh, yeah from Atlanta, who always put up pretty stellar. Like he's had some pretty solid years down there. And that was with Matt Ryan throwing him, you know, pretty experienced. And then he'll have Nick Chubb behind him. I believe Creedon Hunt is still on the team. Uh, he has a pretty potent offense. It's just going to be if he can step up to the plate. You know, if he's the leader, he has to be the one to step up so the teammates can come around him. So, I mean, he's entering year three now, it, and I would assume his rookie contract, I, I could look that up real quick, um, but I mean, like, the, most rookie contracts go about four years, so you're thinking that year three is kind of like his make or break already, even after having, well, this will be his third head coach, correct? Third head coach, uh, there's a new GM, too, because they got rid of Dorsey. Uh, I I mean, yeah, I do think it is a little make or break. I wouldn't say after the season, if it's a bad one, to just immediately get rid of him. But you do kind of think about, okay, well, do I need to get, like, a better backup in here? Uh, You know, what's, like, our second string looking like? Just to, like, make the fire a little hotter underneath them, you know? Yeah, give them a little bit of competition. Like, if, if this isn't a good year, I mean, I don't... Cleveland... I'll just go ahead and say it. I don't think Cleveland's going to do bad enough to be in the hunt for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they really shouldn't. But, I mean, I'm sure there's enough talent in the QB class coming up that, like, I could see, like, maybe drafting a rookie, maybe not in the first round, but maybe second or third to be like, hey, you know, let's get going. I mean, you kind of see that with the Eagles this year. I mean, Carson Wentz, they say, is their guy, and yet you go ahead and draft Jalen Hurts, like, very early day two. Right. I, I do think it's it would be a similar situation like that. Uh, but as like a personal thing, I do think Mayfield's going to step up to the plate this year. Uh, all I've read is him having a great offseason, like he's been working out. Like, I think he's in the right mental space now. Uh, I do think he's going to have a better year. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for him personally. Yeah, yeah me too. Go Browns. This is not an endorsement for me being a Browns fan. I, you know what? I don't know. Like, I think the the AFC North is 
I it's okay. The Ravens are the favorite team. No one disagrees with that. But that spot for like a good wild card is so up in the air for the AFC North. And honestly, it one of the I mean, this is a year where I don't know if you guys remember this, but there're going to be seven teams in each side now. I could see the Browns fighting for a number like for the seventh seed at least. Oh, totally. Yeah, they're not going to win the division, but they'll have a fighting chance for a wild card spot. Yeah. Well, and obviously we've talked so much about the Browns, but I mean, look at the look at who they're playing. I mean, there, there's not much, there's not many more Week One tests that like would be more difficult for them than the Ravens at this moment. But I mean, the Ravens really, I mean, they they took a that's an ego blow. What happened to them last year? I mean, I'm not faulting the Titans did some work, you know, and all of the props to them. But the Ravens should have been hosting the Chiefs in that AFC Championship game, and I don't know where their head was at that night. I don't either. On the one hand, it almost seemed like complacency. The mentality that, oh, it's just a sixth seed coming into our house. We should be able to stomp them into the dirt. But I don't think John Harbaugh is that kind of a coach. I think he is usually good enough to keep his guys motivated. So, I don't know. It might have just been a brain fart. Or it might just be any given Sunday-itis. Yeah, well, and something that I found interesting in doing uh, some research for this game is, uh, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson having some... He's not throwing up Baker Mayfield numbers in terms of, like, actual yards thrown. But, I mean, he, he threw for over 3,000 yards last year. But he's doing it with arguably less. I mean, you talk about the Browns having receivers like... Beckham and and Landry and some good you know some good like third string I I apologize Cleveland fans who are out there I could not name you the third receiver on the depth chart <laughs> uh, off the top of my head uh, but when it comes you know when you look at the receiving leaders for the Ravens it was the tight end Mark Andrews was their leader last year and he didn't even get a thousand receiving yards their highest receiver who had like or their leading receiver in terms of yards was Marquise Brown, and he didn't even get 600. Willie Snead didn't... Willie Snead got 339. I think if I had to put a word to it, I'm almost wondering, like, is Lamar relying too much on himself? I put that question out to you guys. Like, do do you think that, like... I mean, because he was obviously the leading passer. I mean, that was given. Leading rusher by almost 200 yards over Mark Ingram. You know, and he's... He he throws to his guys. You know, you're talking like 64 receptions in terms of Andrews, 46 for Brown. Like, he, he's throwing to guys. But is it almost – I worry about a quarterback sometimes who just thinks that he can – you know, it's like when the going gets tough, he can put it in his own hands. Because it's you can't be a one-man show forever. This is a team sport. Luckily, he's got uh, maybe the best quarterback behind him try and maybe like cool those uh instincts like who could who could be a better influence and mentor than rg3 to lamar jackson i was i have to agree with you on that one and i like i've always kind of said that rg3 is one of the more tragic stories in the nfl in terms of like you know you got drafted as what was supposed to be the guy and then in the same draft they draft another guy in kirk cousins those 
that top three draft class uh, will haunt my dreams forever. How so? Andrew Luck, <laughs> Trent Richardson, RG3. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Graham is a Colts fan, if nobody can tell. <laughs> if you're just picking up on that. Yeah. But no, but it's... I was saying, like, I don't... You look at uh, the Ravens, like what they did this year, and they got, you know, like their current number three receiver is a uh, Boykin out of Notre Dame. But, you know, like they, they didn't change their personnel that much. So for this year, Lamar's really going to have his same weapons. I, I think I think J.K. Dobbins is going to make a little bit of an impact. You have that double whammy punch with him and Mark Ingram. I That should take a little pressure off Lamar from just snapping the ball and running. I mean, they kept uh, four uh, running backs on the depth chart. I mean, Mark Ingram's your first, but I mean, according to ESPN, J.K. Dobbins is the fourth guy, and I get it. He's a rookie. He's kind of got to prove himself, you know? I think that's all lip service. Until carries are distributed in game time, I think it's all just misinformation and trying to throw people off. I think that's Harbaugh going, oh no, we're not going to use Dobbins, and then he's going to get like 10 carries in the first game. Pull a John Lynch. Yes, of course we want Mitch Trubisky. What are you willing to give up for him? They have a 311-pound fullback. Patrick Ricard. Holy crap, that's a big boy. That's our... I was just going to say, that's our Santa. That's... If if you're listening to this podcast, that's a compliment. Okay? That's a compliment. Got a big white beard and he's rolling over fools. Dude, I, I'm not... I was going to say, like, no, that's not a knock. To be 311 pounds and to play as, like, a fullback, like, if they trust you in the fullback, you can move. Like, I bet that man can run. Oh, yeah, for sure. He could beat me in a dead sprint any day. Like, the word that comes to my mind is freight train. <laughs> I think that sort of speaks to how much they value Lamar's ability to run the ball. And I'm not one of these guys who's like, oh, Lamar's just a running back. He's not just a running back. He's a very competent quarterback in the NFL. The But the reality is, his legs are, I think, more of an asset than his arm is. Like, I'm going to throw out a term that is very loaded. I think Baltimore is playing like Wildcat 2.0. Because with Jackson, he is equally as much of a threat running the ball as he is throwing the ball. Like Mike Vick. Nobody will claim that Mike Vick was a bad passer. But you're seriously going to tell me that even though he had a cannon for an arm, he was accurate, he did all the right things, you're going to tell me his arm threatened you more than his legs? I don't think so. To me, that's Lamar Jackson. If you let him run the ball 10 times, he's going to do work. If you ask him to throw 15 times in a game, and the rest of the time you've got Mr. 300-pound fullback lead blocking for either Lamar or Mark Ingram or J.K. Dobbins, you're telling me you're not going to win football games and dominate the pace of the game? You just are. I agree with that. I I think he's uh, equally like dynamic in the running game and the throwing game. Uh, I found a stat where uh, he threw for a touchdown on like on nine percent of all of his passes. He threw for thirty six of them, and I believe he had seven more on the ground. So he's, I think that itself proves that he can throw. Like he's an elite thrower, and then we also know him for his running game. So I think that's like a nice double threat there. So I really hate when people call him just a running back, because he's literally proven he can throw the football. Right. So, so yeah, I guess I guess 
you know, he, let's say he blossoms into that, and I think that he can, you know, but do they have a shot at the one seed this year? Like, do, do we think that they repeat? Like, a, as the number one seed, not, obviously they had their, they lost in the AFC Championship, but do they, it, it's, at this point, I'm imagining the number one seed is going to be the Chiefs and Ravens show, but. I, I genuinely do not believe they will be. Uh, no matter what you think about Roethlisberger, he's back this year for the Steelers, and that's twice a year for them, and the Bengals are significantly better, and the Browns are still the Browns, but, I mean, they gave them a loss last year, so I don't think they're going to secure the one or even a two seed. Wow. Do you, do you, think, do you think the Colts are going to get the first seed, then? Dude, it'll it it'll be over by week eight. I'm t- I'm I tell you this now. <laughs> the Colts are gonna secure a second round bye. This is a segment we like to call Graham's bold predictions. <laughs> uh, keeping with the trend of uh, of creative titles on this show, huh? Internet football podcast, Graham bold predictions. I love it. Hey, I'm hey I'm proud of Internet football podcast. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um. So wrapping this up, because we have a couple more games that I want to talk about, um, I just kind of want to throw out one more thing we forgot to pick, um, and that's just kind of an X factor of the game. And to me, it's not the QB competition. It's, I mean, in the rushing game and all that stuff, that's going to be great. But to me, it's going to be Mark Andrews versus the Browns linebacking core. And I say this because in like doing research for this, I found an article on Browns Nation um, credit to the author, uh, Mr. Andy Webb, but uh, the line. But in terms of like defending against tight ends, Browns were not good. They allowed 70 receptions for 809 yards and 10 touchdowns to opposing tight ends, and you're going up against Lamar's favorite target. So this is going to be like this could be a really key mismatch that would give the Ravens a win if the Browns don't address it. I am now realizing how much I fucked up by not drafting Mark Andrews in any in any of my fantasy football teams. Graham, are you messing with me right now? <laughs> Did I draft him? Did I screw up? I believe you have him in our uh, fantasy league. My uh, early onset Alzheimer's is really paying off. I am pleasantly happy. Jeez, Graham. <laughs> that past, past Graham was a genius. Good job, old me. Graham from three weeks ago. I need to buy that guy a beer. I have right. Mark Andrews. All right. So wrapping up this game, guys, um, what are we, how are we feeling? Um, Browns going into Baltimore. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be an overtime game. I think the Ravens are going to pull it out, even though I am uh, like a closeted Browns fan. I think, I think the Ravens are going to pull it out. Ravens and OT. I like it. Man, new segment, Tyler's Bold Predictions. Logan. <laughs> now wait, we'll get to yours. Here comes Logan's Bold Predictions. Bold Predictions. Everybody ready for this? Hang on to your hats, because I have a bold prediction for you. <laughs> Ravens by one score. Drop the mic. All right. Let's shock the world, baby. Browns 31. Ravens 24. Ooh. Man, just going super accurate with it. Alright. Um, this one's a bit of a toughie. I mean, everyone thought that the Ravens were going to roll over them last year. Um, 
I, I think I'm going to go Ravens. I'll go Ravens by 10 on this one. I think it'll be close, but I think they... I think it'll culminate in, like, the Browns trying to get back. And then Baltimore just... Like, Baltimore stopping them and getting that last score to just kind of put it out of reach. Classic Brown script. Yeah, I have to have one more heartbreak this year. Don't worry, baby. I'll always love you. Thanks. I guess. Whoo! Okay. <laughs> All right, and moving on to our second game that we wanted to talk about this week. Um, actually, taking the request from you guys, we've got Green Bay and Minnesota. You know, Aaron Rodgers coming into his twilight years. Like, Green Bay must be, like, concerned about him because uh, why else would you draft a quarterback in the first round, uh, Green Bay? They traded into the first round to get him. They liked Jordan Love so much, they traded into the first round to get him. Yeah, Stephen, it wasn't as bad as you thought. It was worse. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you put my mind at ease for that. Yeah, speak, speaking of drafts in the first round, my little stat thing that I found. Uh, since Aaron Rodgers became the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, they have not drafted a wide receiver, a tight end, or a running back in the first round. Oh my god. So if, so if Aaron Rodgers wants to complain, we should let him complain. I, I wholeheartedly agree on this. And I think it was funny that, like, what was the stat line that I saw? Or I, someone made a comment that was like, you know, the best parts about Green Bay's offense last year was its quarterback and its running back. And you use your first two picks in the draft on a quarterback and a running back. <laughs> Why? It doesn't make sense. We were talking before we started recording. They have Devontae Adams and who? on that team other than Equiminius St. Brown from Notre Dame. I think they've got a garbage can on wheels that can catch about 50 balls for about 800 yards from Rogers. <laughs> well, they have a guy who's not quite a laser or a lizard and Alan Lazard. I think if you had uh, Devontae Adams, uh, Equiminius St. Brown, and then uh, a dump like two dumpsters running on the inside, that's like an elite offense. Rogers, Rogers would have a heyday. That that's, that's, that's rude to call Lazard a dumpster. I wasn't saying him. He's gonna be on the bench. We're gonna have an actual dumpster out there. I thought he was. Yeah, like you just strap like some. Uh, oh, oh, even better. You hook, you rig it up like the sky cam in the game, so you can like manipulate it on the field, so you make it run a perfect post. Who's gonna cover a whole dumpster? It's impossible. I mean. We can get into it. Uh, I, I don't know about the secondary, but I think that uh, Mr. Yannick Ngakwe can stop a dumpster in his tracks. <laughs> oh, yeah, he could. I mean, ball, like Minnesota, definitely coming out on top in that trade. What do you mean, Steven? They had to give up a fifth-round pick, okay? They are hurting just like everyone else. Oh, the humanity. Yeah, it's, you know, obviously he, you know, I feel like in these, you know, Ever since he won the Super Bowl, it's definitely been tough to pick, like, who's his, like, best receivers. Obviously, with, like, Jordy Nelson and all that stuff when he got the Super Bowl win. Like, he, he definitely had some weapons. But, like, like it, it's not fair to say, it's like, how does this man have Super Bowl? Because, obviously, like, when he did, like, he like he's a great player. Like, the Packers have had a, like, they lucked out. Like, 
going from Favre, bringing them Super Bowl and great history, to getting Rodgers, letting the guy rest behind Favre, starting him, and then getting Super Bowl caliber right off the bat. You know, like, it's... Packers got lucky, you know, but I just can't help but feel for the man. Like, you're wasting... (laughs) When you've got guys out there who have, like, multiple Super Bowl wins, you know, and, and they're not everything... Like, there, there are plenty of good players who have never won a Super Bowl. But, like, we talk about Aaron Rodgers. You look at his, like, history. The man should have two or three Super Bowls. Like, on his own. Or he should have at least played Tom Brady in one Super Bowl. Because we could have finally, like, had that matchup. Right. Gosh, has Rodgers only been to one Super Bowl? He's... Yes, I believe he's only he has only been to one. That's, like, tragic. That's incredible. That's like Dan Marino levels of wasting a generational talent at quarterback. Right. Yeah, but that's the crazy thing is it's like, I, I mean, it is feels like a waste, but also like to win a Super Bowl, I mean, unless you're in New England, like to win a Super Bowl is a pretty big accomplishment, you know, like you, to have one, it's like, I got one ring, you know, but when we put him in the same caliber as the Tom Brady's and the Drew Brees's and like all these like top tier guys, you know, it it's just mind blowing. Like when we talk about it, like you would think he would have won more than what he has, and it's just it begs the question: what what is that franchise doing to the poor man? I don't know. It almost seems like the franchise's plan is: well, we have Rodgers. Why do we need to give him any more talent? Why can't we just let Rodgers be the entire offense? Which I don't think I have to explain why I think that's a bad idea. I don't know if, if they're just seeing it as like, oh, he did this with nobody. He can do better if we just keep the same people around him that don't have star talent. Like, it's not like they can only afford one star. They can afford more. They're, they're the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and this is the crazy thing, too. It's like, it's it's not like the it's not like they haven't gone and gotten some good talent. I mean, yes, you haven't drafted weapons in the first round. You're clearly using it on defense or line. But like this is a stat that I actually just recently learned about and I love cuz I when I did play football, I played on offensive and defensive lines, so you know, I always thought it was kind of a shame. It's like, well, how do you truly judge like it's hard to put stats on offensive line. But then I found a way that they put stats on offensive line, right? Um, you know, like, it, it's it's a stat, or they measure it, it's pass block win rate. And what that measures is how effective a lineman is at holding their block for 2.5 seconds, right? I believe that list goes Quentin Nelson's penis, Quentin Nelson, and then everyone else. I I will give it to you. Quentin Nelson made it into the top 10. He was not number one. He 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 had a ninety five percent like success race as an offensive guard. I think that's pretty good. Were those the plays that he was injured that makes up that five percent? I mean, listen, like people are gonna get through. It's no one's perfect. No one has a hundred percent. Okay, but like, but no. But in terms of like the Packers line, like as a team, they had the best like overall percentage was seventy two percent of like. They won the battle. That offensive line won the battle 72% of the time. And then you had the best center and the best tackle in with the center, um, Corey Lindsley, 
And with David Bakhtiari holding down that tackle line, had a 96% efficiency rating against, like, edge rushers. So when you're playing against guys, you know, like, when you have, like, the Ngakwe's about to face you two times a year, right? That's some good insurance. Like, that's good insurance to protect your quarterback. But you need to give the man some weapons, <laughs> you know? Like, it's crazy to me that, like, you... It's like you built the foundation up, and there's just nothing for like. It's like building a concrete like room, like a qu- concrete square room, and you forgot to like hook up the electricity for the Xbox. You know, like what's the point? Like, cool, I'm safe, but I can't do anything with this. I think Aaron Rodgers would spit down his mother's throat in order to get Adam Thielen on his team. Oh my gosh! Hey. Hey, I mean, like, uh, the Vikings seem to be in a trading mood with their number one receivers lately. Let's give it a year. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, the Packers could have got Stephon Diggs. I, I would say, like, that that was a big, like, we've talked to Packers a lot, but, I mean, going over to the Vikings side, this is a this is going to be a different year for them. I mean, you're talking, I mean, Stephon Diggs, the man behind the Minneapolis Miracle. Nope, not good enough anymore. Like, let's trade him. Like, that, when I saw that, I was like, Wow. What did you do that made him mad? I know. How, how did they hire Bill O'Brien for an afternoon? Yeah, but it's, it's like one of those things, like, you t- we talk about the Packers, and, like, yes, the Packers, um, clear leaders of the NFC North, like, especially last year, but the Vikings, as of late, have been in that conversation, like, constantly, or consistently, I should say. I mean, they hosted the Saints in the Minneapolis Miracle. They were a number two seed that year. Kirk Cousins has really, like, the, the like latter half of last year, stepped up to the plate after he got brutally attacked by his teammates, being like, yo, be better. And he was like, shit, all right. So he just became better. <laughs> Apparently, they just had to scare the shit out of him. Is that all it takes? If I had an entire Vikings team yelling at me to be better, I'd probably start being better. Yeah, I, th- I think the prospect of a bunch of Vikings yelling at you is pretty terrifying. Oh, you mean football players. My bad. <laughs> Amazing. Everyone talks about uh, Adam Thielen, which, fair, but I always love talking about Kyle Rudolph. That's my dude. He is from Notre Dame, but that is my dude. Man, you know, you know all the Notre Dame players. You got them on lock. Listen, I'm a big fan of my Notre Dame guys. I just am a bigger fan when they do well. <laughs> yeah, boy. You're welcome for Quentin Nelson there, Graham. This is going to be interesting this year. I mean, with Thielen being the number one guy now, like, you know, like looking at the past four years when he's really been productive, you know, in 2016, he finished the season with 967 yards and then posted multiple like, back-to-back seasons of over 1,000 yards with 1276 and 1373 last year. The man only had 418 yards, and I believe he was hurt for a few. Yeah, he only played 10 games, so I'm not necessarily faulting him for like not putting up the numbers. But like the man's productive, but he's always he's been a number two, and that kind of, like that's always an interesting relationship. Like it's weird to like put a number, right? It's like clearly it's, like if you're a number one or number two receiver, you're clearly good enough to like they they trust you. You know, but it's interesting. Like when you're the number two, sometimes it's you almost get your stats a little higher 
because they're so focused on number one, they, they're like, oh, what a defense might be like, oh, it's just the number two guy, and then they'll destroy you. Right. It's like, well, we don't want Thielen to destroy us, but we can't have Diggs destroy us. So we're going to double Stephon Diggs every down. And now Thielen's got one-on-one coverage. That's a great opportunity for Thielen now. And now that he's the guy that everyone's going to double cover, I don't know if he's going to be nearly as productive as he was two and three years ago. It's really going to depend a lot on how good Justin Jefferson is and how quickly he can get NFL ready. Right. And like that, that I felt was a great pickup. Like once, once they did that pick, I was like, okay, I think like he's not ready. Like he, he's not Stefan Diggs level. I don't think immediately. I mean, what rookie is, but like, I think that was a great pickup on their choice. And you know what? Yeah. You, you used your pick wisely. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to have an immediate impact in the lineup, you know, but it's, it's going to be one of those things like how quickly do you adapt to the NFL? Cause that like, cause Thielen, I'd be shocked if he could do it all on his own. Yeah. Same to, uh, to continue my, uh, love for the fullback. Uh, they have quite an undersized guy in CJ Ham at only 235 pounds. It's all right, Ham. You'll bulk up one day. I'm sure after you hit puberty, cut that. I'm sure after you hit puberty, you'll you know be worth something. I'm man. I, I guess I'm still waiting on puberty. You know what? Cut that. I don't want him to get mad at me. It's okay. It's okay. That's okay. It's okay, but you'll get there. CJ Ham. He could eat a seventy pound steak and still not weigh as much as that other guy. <laughs> seventy pound steak. I, I don't think that's how that works, by the way. I don't think that eating seventy pounds worth of food makes you gain seventy pounds. I think that just means you die. He's listen, he's CJ Ham's just one of Santa's elves. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Calling the reserve. We gotta fit someone down this chimney. Oh my gosh. But yeah, no, I'm. I was like to, to just like, get back on the Vikings defense a little bit, and like with the Ngakwe trade, I mean, I was a little like I didn't necessarily know that they were contenders for him. I'm a little sad that he went there, um, mostly because I just kind of want to see him go to Seattle after they let Clowney go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna bring. I mean, granted, like I think, you know, Ngakwe wants to. I mean, his numbers show that in terms of sacks, he's, you know, he's got some stuff. You know, he fin- he's consistently finishing with eight or more sacks in his four years. Um, But now you kind of face a challenge. Like, now he's in a different, like, it's going to be a new element. Uh, I don't necessarily know how much I trust the Bears and the Lions to protect their quarterbacks respectively. But when it comes to Ngakwe versus that line from last year that again best at the pass block win rate i i think that's gonna be a very interesting matchup um for this at least especially for this first week you know has hasn't gawkway learned the system enough to like be ready for that right and especially in like zimmer's systems it really relies on guys knowing how to rush off of each other like there are a lot of uh what do they call them like stunts where one defender on the line will sort of, like, jump over another defender's assignment. So, like, instead of rushing at the guard, the tackle will instead loop out and get around the end that way. 
Um, which I think is something that takes a lot more chemistry and nuance than just, hey, go beat this left tackle off the ball and get to the quarterback. But he does have Daniil Hunter, who is, you know, makes a very good one-two punch there in Minnesota. <laughs> so hopefully the same way that Diggs made Thielen better, hopefully Hunter can make Ngakwe a little bit better and make that transition just a little bit easier for him. Yeah, for sure. Say, so yeah, unless someone else has something, I think we're ready to uh, discuss who we think is going to win this first week. I have one final quick thing. I'm very interested to see how Dalvin Cook does this year. Last mm. last year, he put up 1,100 yards, uh, but like he had as many games rushing under 50 yards as he did over 100. So, oh yeah, that's a good point. So Dal- Dalvin is definitely one of those sink or swim. Like he's either gonna eat or like he's gonna get stuffed. Stuffed like Santa Claus. We keep talking about it. The first episode's going to have to do something with Santa's name. You realize this, right? Oh, we can make that happen. Oh, I know. We'll figure something out. The title is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. <laughs> it's like Santa's bringing a new NFL season. All right. So uh, we've got, like so, four Packers visiting the Vikings. Who do we got, guys? Let's start with Logan on this one. I've got Green Bay in this one. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really know why Minnesota is favored. Because uh, I think Green Bay lines up really well with everything that Minnesota does well. But I don't necessarily think Minnesota is going to do as well against the Packers. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong For like, in the terms of sportsmen. I mean, at, at the time of this recording, Minnesota is only up by three. Don't home teams typically get about a field goal advantage? So it's almost like you can call that even? Usually, but... Uh, from my perspective, the Packers are considerably better than the Vikings, so I would have expected the line to be basically even. All right, so Logan's got Green Bay in a straight-up win. Uh, Graham, what are we think- thinking? I think the Vikings uh, the Vikings are going to lose this one. I, I don't feel good about it either. Um, I feel like the Vikings are going to have growing pains on offense, trying to get their receivers, you know, in line. Uh, I think Green Bay is going to win by a touchdown. All right. Got Green Bay by a touchdown, but noted that you do not feel good about this pick. <laughs> That's the advantage of Green Bay not having any receivers other than Devontae Adams. It's like, we don't need to get our guys ready if we don't have any guys. For me, oh, man. I think think I will take the Vikings on this one I will go against like I, I don't know I think I think that week one like that kind of home feel obviously there's not going to be fans but I don't know I kind of like the energy that you know bringing in after making some moves I think that they uh I was like I guess I'll say this both teams made a few moves but I think Minnesota made a few more moves that it like I view that would better them almost immediately. So I'm going to take Minnesota in this one, but I'm going to say it's going to come down to the final play. New segment, Steven's Bold Predictions. <laughs> All right, Tyler, what do we got? Um, This one's also a toss-up for me. 
I think the Vikings are going to get there eventually, but I think Green Bay is going to pull out this win. I really think Aaron Rodgers feels like he has something to prove, even though people don't think he has anything to prove because he's already an elite player. But I think like for him, knowing that Jordan loves behind him and that the organization like drafted up to get him, he has something to prove this year. And I think he's going to come right out of the gate and do it. So I got Green Bay. All right, Green Bay. All right, well, the time has come for a segment that I like to call <laughs> the Internet Football Podcast Game of the Week. Very original, I know. Trademark. Yeah, trademark pending. All right, and this week, we for week one, Game of the Week, is Buccaneers visiting New Orleans. And guys, I got to tell you, it, it's the matchup we've been waiting for for so long. I mean... On one side, you got Alvin Kamara, who like had trade rumors, and then Leonard Fournette joins the Bucks and is just going to make an immediate impact on that team. I mean, that's clearly the matchup that everyone's looking for, right? I don't see anything else about this game other than Kamara versus Fournette. I mean, it's like, I mean, come on, that that's why we chose it. I mean, you guys are blind. It's obviously Jameis Winston versus Blaine Gabbert. I, I personally want to see uh, Michael Thomas versus Mike Evans. Uh, that's why I'm interested in this game. I mean, let's be fair, I am too. But obviously, got <laughs> thank you all for rolling with me on that. <laughs> oh my gosh. But of, like, obviously, with this week, it, it can't be understated that this is the matchup. Brady versus Breeze that we honestly deserved as as football fans as a nation we deserved this two Super Bowls ago Brady versus Breeze and now we're going to get it theoretically two games a season for at least two years I hope you know so theoretically these guys are going to have at least four more matchups and I don't know I it, it just it's so weird seeing, going to be seeing Brady in a New Jersey, but I, for one, cannot be happier that he's out of New England. I know. It yeah. somehow makes it a little easier to root for him. I don't know why. This truly proved to me that it was the New England I didn't like about New England, and it wasn't Tom Brady. Because I like seeing Tom Brady in that Buccaneers jersey. I actually want him to do pretty well. Yeah, Logan, have you bought your Brady jersey yet? Not yet, uh, but it's because I'm cheap. It's not because I don't like Tom Brady, who's currently... He went from my uh, least favorite team in the New England Patriots to now my favorite team in the Buccaneers. You you wasted all your money on a Fournette jersey, didn't you? I did. It's a Jacksonville Fournette jersey, too. I was like, I'm going to like this team at one point. So uh, four red Sharpies later, it's looking a lot better. You got you got that Fortnite jersey on sale for twenty nine ninety nine. Oh my gosh! But yeah, it's uh, yeah, coming into this matchup, like I obviously this is the matchup that we were robbed of, and I was looking at their head to head, and you know this is one of the few matchups that Brady is not leading in right now. Breeze holds a three to two head to head series with Brady. Um. And obviously, they just, the opportunities to play each other are so few and far between because, I mean, when Brady was on New England, they only got to play each other once every four years. So, it was always kind of a little treat. But now, obviously, with these two, 
entering the final years, might as well get as much as we can, right? This is just a matchup of my two least favorite quarterbacks, really. You don't like Breeze? Like wow. They beat the Colts in a Super Bowl, and I'm not completely That's over right. it yet. That's right. Like, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, um, welcome to Graham's last episode of the podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, Drew Breeze can, uh, Drew Breeze can have a nice rest of his life. He sure can, because that is one of the nicest dudes out there. Yeah. Uh, congrats on your one ring, Drew. I wish it wasn't against us. You got yours. It'll be all right. Hey, weren't we just talking about the value of one ring? All right, Smeagle, calm down. Obviously, you've in passing talks we've talked about like these matchups, but like I honestly kind of want to get your opinion. I mean, obviously, you're the Bucks fan of the group for better or for worse, mostly worse. <laughs> um, but I mean, you always have the running joke of, you know, the the Mer- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Mercedes Superdome, uh, with Tampa Bay going into New Orleans and doing pretty well against them when they go to New Orleans, and that was with some eh, not Tom Brady level talent at the helm there's a really fun trend you can go back in time if you want to i think it's really interesting when the bucks underachieve they win in the superdome like if tampa either starts the year or ends the year underachieving on their already low expectations they win in the superdome when the bucks play well the whole season tampa loses in the superdome it's just that simple so so what happens when so so what happens when it's 0-0 and it's week 1? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, cuz a couple of years ago it was a week 1 matchup when Ryan Fitzmagic went in and lit up the scoreboard. Then he went on to have a terrible rest of the year, get benched. Jameis came in. Jameis got benched in place of Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick came back, got benched again for Jameis, and Tampa had an underachieving year. So maybe th- maybe this is going to be like a a Puxatani Phil situation where, like, if if the Bucks blow the Saints out this week, it's such a double-edged sword because if Tampa wins Week One, we're gonna underachieve. But if Tampa loses Week One, the Saints have the tiebreaker on us. It's like I don't know who to root for in this game. Well, no, th- th- but there's another game. I mean, like, again, you get to play each other. T- yeah, in Tampa, that one doesn't mean anything. I mean, Tom seems to be adapting to Tampa Bay pretty well. I mean, who knows? I mean, he's got his favorite target back from New England and Gronk, you know, and... and... His favorite target? You mean not Philip Dorsett, James White, Jacoby Myers, Rex Burkhead, and Mohamed Sanu from last year? Are those his favorite targets? How did you forget about Julian Edelman's very punchable face? Well, because Edelman actually had a decent year. It wasn't as funny to mock him. Julian, I'm sure you're a nice person. Please don't let Graham offend you. No, I will punch him in the face. He annoys me. <laughs> is is it specifically... Wait, no. Edelman made the catch in Super Bowl 53, right? Like, is he the one that made the... But Edelman also had some uh-ohs this offseason, so... Oh, wait, what did he do? I, I, I don't know if I remember this. He had... I can't remember... I don't think it was, like, domestic abuse or anything but it had something to had the police come and everything one of the sports morning shows i watched made a big deal about it because the the guy didn't like edelman and i thought it was fair because i also don't like edelman so hang on he was cited for misdemeanor vandalism 
What a white boy. He, yeah, what, what, it, I'm sure it was him tagging a car saying, Brady, please come back, I miss you. Exactly. Charged with vandalism for allegedly jumping on someone's car. What a weak ass arrest. That's what I'm, like, if you're gonna get arrested for, not, I don't encourage crime. I'm just gonna throw that right there. Please don't get arrested. If you're going to get arrested, do something cool and worth it. <laughs> what are you in for? I jumped on the hood of some guy's car. <laughs> Is it too early to bring up the... <laughs> He's in jail with the Giants defensive back. What'd you do? Robbed a diamond store? <laughs> I dented the trunk of somebody's Honda Accord. Yeah, I know what you mean, brother. I jumped on a vehicle. Oh my god. Hey, put some more Boston in that, please, and thank you. Yeah, hey, dude. I jumped on someone's car. Oh, man. But no, I mean, this, this is, you know, the, of course, Brady jumping ship onto a pirate ship. Haha. Anyway. <laughs> but, you know, and now he's got, like, you're right. Like, last year, you know, they get knocked out of the wild card, and people are like, is this the end of Brady? And But you got to imagine, you know, like, he... He does a lot with a little, much like Rodgers, you know? The thing that gives me hope is that when Brady did have people to throw to, like 2018, 2017, uh, when he actually had, like, legitimate targets, he played very well. Like, granted, last year, 2019, he only had, like... 4,000 yards and 24 touchdowns. Oh, he had 4,000 yards? Yeah, he made it. Oh, jeez. The previous two years, he had, like, uh, 4,400 and 4,500. So, he, 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 I think he still has enough gas in the tank to be good. Maybe not elite, you know, GOAT status, but with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, I don't really know how much Gronk's going to contribute in the passing game, but we got him. You know, he'll give Santa Claus a run for his money. It just gives Brady another option. I mean, it's like, again, did you need Gronk? No. But, like, now now he's just another weapon. And one that Brady's familiar with. Like, obviously it's cool that you have guys like Evans and Godwin and O.J. Howard. And if, if they decide to use him much, Cam Brate. But, like, now you got, like... <laughs> I mean, that's like to bring in something familiar, right? Like, it's like when you draft a player. In my view, like I love it when a team will draft a player in the first round, and then like a, a round or two later, or like a couple rounds later, they draft someone who is from their team. Like when Andrew Luck got drafted by the Colts, and then they brought in um, the the tight end, right, Graham? Yeah, yeah, Jack Doyle. And then like um, you know, look at the Chargers, like Tillery, like they had Jerry Tillery, and then couple rounds later drafted a linebacker and it's bringing someone like you want him to be your guy, but it's also bringing someone in to like help you ease into it. Like, yeah, it's going to be new, but here's something a little bit familiar to hold on to. Yeah. I was wrong by the way. He, uh, I meant, uh, Kobe Fleener. Thank you. It, yeah. I was like, Oh, I was like, you said Jack Doyle. I was like, yeah, that sounds right. But in my head, I'm like, was it though? My brain immediately went, no, you idiot. That's wrong. <laughs> Some Colts fan. I know. How could I forget old pan hands? But yeah, I mean... <laughs> I I would say, obviously, it's the Brady show. Uh, it's going to be the Brady show. I mean, I, I don't... I can't think of many other times that I've seen the Bucks featured on ESPN so prominently. 
I know it's insane. It sometimes I think it's a different team. I, l- I glance over. I'm like, oh, there's another red and pewter team in the. Oh wait, no, that's us. They did get new new uniforms, so. I know, and hey, they didn't mess it up. They got like new old uniforms. They basically hit the Control Z button and went back to like they were six years ago before they were trash, and just made them the same good again. Now with more pewter. I feel like I'm the only one who liked the Bucks uniforms before this iteration. You wait, you liked the alarm clock yeah, numbers? Yeah, I did. I really liked those jerseys. Well, Graham, I hate to tell you, nobody else did. <laughs> Logan, I think you know what to get Graham for Christmas now. An alarm clock? <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, these jerseys were terrible. I liked them so much. But yeah, I mean, and then looking at the other side, you know, with <laughs> obviously it's like, what? Wait, who are the Bucks playing? I forget. Uh, yeah, whatever. We don't need to talk about them. But yeah, no, I mean, but like, you know, I think the Saints. I mean, obviously they, uh, albeit questionable move to try to get Jadavon Clowney. Like they, they tried to make some moves this off season, and they, you know, they brought back Breeze for another two years. You know, so like I said, two years for both these guys, and we'll probably see in the end. You know, so if we can get four games out of them, I think this will be really fun. Um, but I don't know. I think Breeze is kind of like. I would go out there and say that Michael Thomas is more of a viable option than Devontae Adams, but I don't really feel like Breeze has as many receiving options either. He's got at least some. Like, they got Emmanuel Sanders uh, during the offseason. I think he's way better than, insert second receiver in Green Bay, here's name. Put some respect. <laughs> I know. Alan Lazard. Thank you. Ah, uh, how could I have forgotten the cross between the lizard and a laser? Yeah, Alan Gecko. That's Equiminius St. Brown. Duh. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they did get Emmanuel Sanders. A little bit of, you know, some veteran status right there. God, it's been a long time since he was on the Broncos. I know, right? Just think, last year he was fighting in a Super Bowl. It's been a long time since he was on the Steelers. Yeah. God. And this year he won't be. Is that a bold prediction or bold prediction? It is. Or... It's not even a bold prediction if it's a hundred percent certainty. I was gonna say, I, I, I mean, don't say a hundred percent. I know that hundred percent. That's a bold prediction right there. Yes, it is. Um, but I don't know. Like, it, of course, I love it when it's like people can't make a Super Bowl. Like, that's a very safe guess. I mean, you're talking about, you know, of the sixteen teams in each division, fifteen aren't gonna make it, but seven are gonna have a chance. Yeah, like everyone has an equal chance of making it and not making it, except for Jacksonville. Sorry. Oh, and sixteen, baby. Duval. Um, but yeah, it's but I don't know. Like the Saints are kind of in that weird stage too, where it's like I know they should be good, right? If if they can like if they can actually get this Camara deal finalized, then uh, I say their chances jump significantly. But they have no money to pay Kamara. They'll find it in the couch. I I guess so. Not if he keeps holding out, though. He's going to have to take, like, regular money. He's, he's not going to get, like, 15 quintillion dollars a year or whatever he's asking for. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's interesting, too. I mean, like, because they're not using... Kamara's like, not, like, 
your thousand yard rusher, but he's just such a dual weapon. Like, you know, like in his past three years, like he hasn't, like, I mean, he had some injuries last year, you know, so he's not rushing for, he hasn't rushed for over 900 yards yet, but you look at his receiving and it's dang near on par with his rushing. And that makes such a valuable piece of that offense, you know? I think it's unfortunate that the yards from scrimmage stat is not more highly talked about. Because on the stat sheet, you see, oh, running back, not that many running yards. Eh, he's, uh, whatever. But yeah, you see, oh, uh, yeah, he only had 900 rushing yards, but then he had like 800 receiving yards. That's awesome. That's another one of Graham's risky fantasy pickups. If Alvin Kamara is on your waiver list, go ahead and pick him up. If you're listening and Alvin Kamara's on your waiver list, um what fantasy sport are you playing? I was like what what league are you in? <laughs> like are you kid- No, he's definitely like he cemented himself as one of those guys that like you want to rely on, you know, and having Kamara last year, he was kind of hit or miss, um, but then again, he got hurt, so can't fault him for that. Uh but yeah, it just yeah, it's like he I think it's because he is such a dual threat like in his position. You know, he he's not going to be the guy that gets you all the rushing yards, but I mean, he he's going to get you some yards per game. To continue my love of the fullback, <laughs> New Orleans has Michael Burton, a quite undersized fella at 240 pounds, meaning he's another member of the 70-pound stake club. How in the oh how in the holy hell is that guy 311 pounds? My God, I. I'd have to be a member of the 170-pound state club. I'll just be excited to see how the Saints use Taysom Hill again. Uh, if they've if they come up with like different plays for him, uh, how are they going to incorporate him more in the offense? Uh, because I think he really proved himself last year to be like a threat on the field. Like if you see him, you gotta like keep an eye on him. Uh, so I wonder how they're gonna change things around this year to keep him productive. What I would like to see more of is, when Taysom Hill's on the field, get Drew Brees off the field. No offense to Drew Brees, but the whole theory of running the Wildcat is you now have 11 people who are not useless in running the ball, right? Theoretically, you have all blockers and then, like, a running back and maybe somebody else in the backfield to try to fake it to. When Brees is out there flexed out wide as a receiver, he doesn't even try, and the defense knows he isn't going to try. So if you trot out Taysom Hill under center, get Drew Brees off the field, even if it's just for one play. Because the whole theory of, oh, we'll have a hat on a hat, and I just have to make one guy miss, and suddenly I'm good. It doesn't really work when your quarterback is still on the field, but now you take away his ability to throw the ball. (laughs) And also, it's Drew Brees. Right? He's like a slow, mostly non-athletic guy out there. If you had, like, Russell Wilson running routes, I'd be scared. (laughs) Uh... I'm really interested to see, like, the first use of a strategic interception in football history, because that'll be Jameis Winston's first throw. Here's the thing. Will he throw, though? I mean, you can't throw interceptions if you don't let go of the ball. (laughs) Or touch the ball. Or be within 500 feet of a ball. They did say Taysom Hill was going to be the second string. So, are with COVID concerns, are they just going to like uh, keep Winston like at home, like in isolation, just in case something would come up to where he needed to be back up there? That's a great question. 
Well, that's the safest place for him. Is in isolation away from the rest of the football team. I have to agree, but do the Saints agree? I They should. <laughs> I hope not, as a Bucks fan. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jameis Winston is a huge asset during this COVID season because he always passes stuff to the other team. I mean, if we're just going to say it. <laughs> Please wear a mask. Please. Especially Jameis. L- leave that in. <laughs> yeah, that's staying in. I think Jameis Winston should wear two masks at all times. And gloves. And a face shield. And just to stay inside. Alright. So, something I want to bring up before we wrap this up. Or wrap up and pick up who is. Um, because I kind of was thinking, like, the overarching question, getting back to the Bucks, Like, why Tom Brady chose the Buccaneers? Right? And I have a theory. And I'm wondering if it's true. Because, like, it's it's one of those situations where it's like, what more does this man have to prove? Like, you've won the most, like, you've won as many Super Bowls as franchises have. Like, you've won as much as the Steelers, single-handedly. Like, you've earned six rings. Like, do you have much more to prove? And then I was thinking, okay, this, like, I think Tom Brady is going for two achievements being on the Bucks. You know, like, two, two more accolades in his belt. Which is a lot for the Bucks. They have one achievement in their entire franchise. I'm talking about him personally. Like, you sure get some glory for the Bucks. Obviously, he's going to have to. Um, but, I mean, obviously, he, I think he wants to win a Super Bowl at some point. But I think specifically he wants to go this year because the Super Bowl's in Tampa Bay. And no one, no one has ever been to the Super Bowl in the host city. I think he's trying to achieve that. Like, specifically this year, that he wants to go to the Super Bowl. And obviously, everyone wants to go to the Super Bowl. But I think that he specifically wants to definitely go this year and be the first quarterback to lead a team to playing in their host city. And then next year, they play New England. And he wants to beat every team. He wants to beat every team in the NFL, including who he played for. And then he can retire. And that is my bold prediction, truly. (laughs) And if Miss and uh, Tom, if I happen to be correct, can I please get a jersey? <laughs> uh, one one final thing for me to look at for this game: uh, if Tom Brady throws seven touchdowns and Drew Brees throws zero, then Tom Brady is now the NFL all-time touchdown leader. Well, let's hope that really doesn't happen. <laughs> All right. Hey, speak for yourself. I I want to. I want to prompt the question. Uh, do it includes Tom Brady? Do we think who's who's going to be better? Like who's going to have the better season? Is it going to be Brady without Belichick, or is it going to be Belichick without Brady? Hmm. Brady without Belichick. I, I no disrespect to Cam Newton, but I think Bruce Arians is going to do some great work with Tom. God damn it! I miss you, Bruce. <laughs> oh. I, I also agree. I think Brady's going to flourish because Belichick really didn't do the best until he got Brady. So I guess Belichick has something to prove and Tom has already like proven things. Cause like, and I guess the media too is like, Oh, Tom's like, he's going to do great there. Like no one's worried about him, but everybody's worried about Belichick up in new England. So I, I don't think the, 
Patriots are going to be bad this upcoming year. I think they'll hover around 8-8, eight and eight, maybe a little higher. Uh, my concern is that they had no one to throw to last year, but Tom Brady was still throwing the ball. No smack on Cam Newton, but Cam Newton is not Tom Brady. Like, they still have a great defense up there. I trust Belichick to embrace the run game, especially with a mobile quarterback like Cam is. But uh, I, I think there's the ceiling on New England is just so much lower than the ceiling in Tampa. So I'm going with Tom Brady, but I do expect New England to make the playoffs fairly easily this year. Bold predictions by Logan. New segment. That's a very bold prediction. It really is. I feel like you are the only person I have heard like in sports media to have the Patriots be in a playoff spot. Here's the thing. I've learned to just not bet against Bill Belichick. It's been my whole life, 20 years, all I've known is the Patriots being a dynasty. I, I just know not to bet against it. Uh, me too! So, do you think the Patriots are going to win the East? No. no. I think it'll be close, but no. I don't think it's going to be decided by more than two games. I think... I think Buffalo's going to win it. Buffalo's going to win the East and have their first AFC East title in 25 years. Whoa. Bold predictions by Tyler. Jesus. 25 Go years. Bills. Wow. Go Bills. Go specifically Stephon Diggs in a Bills uniform. <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. I think we need to make a decision here. Some bold decisions. <laughs> Who is going to win this game? Let us start with Tyler on this one. This one is also a tough one for me. Uh, in my mind, I see this as like a gunslinger, very high-scoring game for two very veteran quarterbacks. I didn't want to say old, but veteran quarterbacks. Wow. I'm not saying they're old. I'm just saying they get the senior discount and eat dinner at 4 p.m. Oh, you mean they're playing during dinner time? Oh, shoot. I'm saying they plan around the Golden Corral Senior Buffet. I mean, you guys said it, not me. Okay, so you know what? I'm going to go Brady on this one. I think he's I think he's got it. I'm picking the Bucks. You're welcome, Logan. Picking the Bucks. All right. I will go next. And I believe in the in the intro, like having heard all the evidence and understanding that um that the Bucks need to lose this game to have a really good season. I'm going to go with the Saints to win in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, guys. Just one moment. Hello? Yes, is that Santa Claus? He made it. Oh, no way. It's, it's CJ Yeah, Ham. you forget how mobile he is. Um, anyway. But, yeah, no. Just I actually... And you know what? I, I do think it is going to be a, a close one. But I, I like the Saints in this first one. And that's just kind of... You know, I I do not think this will be a blowout on either side. Um, I think it's going to be very close, very high scoring. But I, I like the Saints in this one uh, in a close match. I'm going to say by a field goal. Bold prediction. Uh, Graham. All right. Uh, I think the Saints are going to win because Ryan Suckup is going to miss a last-second field goal, and they're going to bring back Matt Gay the very next day. You watch a lot of Bucks games, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do, buddy. <laughs> bold predictions by Graham. A bold? 
That's lukewarm at best. I was like four games that last was, year when that happened. I guess I should say uh, sort of a detailed prediction. I agree. So, Logan, you like the Bucks expert. Who you got? So, here's the thing. All of you are playing checkers. I'm playing 5D chess up here. I've developed a theory. Every time I take the Buccaneers, they lose to spite me. So now, on this show, every time we have a Bucs segment, I'm taking whoever's against the Buccaneers. I'm taking the Saints. I want the Bucs to win. I hope the Bucs are going to win. I think the Bucs are going to win. I'm taking the Saints. Saints out of spite. Out of... No, 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 no. Not spite. I'm just... I just know better. (laughs) Out of knowing better. Got it. See, here's the great part. I'm either right or I'm happy. Logan can't lose. There's there's no losing here. I mean there I mean there is. You could tie. Or you know another hurricane could come up and we can push our bye week up to week 1 and push the meeting back to week 11. Cough cough hurricane Irma. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, let, let's not. We've already got enough going on in this country. All right, to wrap this up <laughs> to to wrap this up um obviously, you know, we're you know, we have our biases. We have our, um, we we have games that we like to talk about. Obviously, some teams are going to be featured more, but we do like. I think all of us in the, here are football fans, just in general. Um, and we kind of, I wanted to briefly touch on each one. Uh, obviously, not in de- so much in depth. So, what I'm figured like we'll. I wanted to end each show with briefly going over something that could be interesting in each games, and everyone just kind of gives their gut feeling on on a question that I will present based on the game. Um, and we'll kind of just keep tally and kind of like a lightning round. Like I'll, I'll say something and then I'll just, I'll go through, I'll ask everyone what they think. And it's, it's going to be an a or a B or a yes or a no, or like, it's like just, yeah, it's not going to be like four options or too many things. It's just going to be, do you think this will happen or this will happen? And then you can give quick answers. Before we continue with this segment, can I lobby to change it to, Fast answers to fast questions, because lightning round's getting a little too creative for us. How could I deny that? <laughs> All right, fast questions to fast answers. Here we go, starting with the season opener, Texans versus Chiefs. Um, I think we can all agree that Bill O'Brien is uh, moron of the year. Trading Hopkins over to the Cardinals, uh, literally your best receiving option. But in you know to bolster their offense, they brought in a dynamic duo of Cobb and Cooks. So our question for this week is, do we think that Hopkins over in the Cardinals game is going to have more receiving yards, or are Cooks and Cobb combined going to have more receiving yards in their games? Uh, Graham? Uh, Cooks and Cobb. All right. Uh, Logan? I'm going to also say Cooks and Cobb. Tyler? I'm going to say Hopkins. All right. I'm also going to like. I think two people can at least outshine one. I hope. All right, moving on. We've got Jets versus Bills. Um... You know, like Darnold and Allen, new faces in the AFC East, hoping to make a, you know, make a new, start a new generation, obviously, with the Patriots uh, in flux. Uh, Both have very similar passing yards, throwing for just over 3,000 yards. But obviously the receivers, the Bills added Stephon Diggs, and the Jets have lost Robbie Anderson, arguably their best person, and the Jets are kind of in flux at receiver right now. Who do we think is going to have more receiving yards in this game? Logan. Uh, I say Bills as a team, more receiving yards. Bills, and that's the thing. It, it is by team. So, which team is going to have more receiving yards? So, 
I'm saying the Bills. So Bills, okay. Uh, Tyler. Uh, Bills, by a long shot. Yeah, I also I also say Bills. The right. Bills could have 23 passing yards and still wallop the Jets by 40. All right, I think we're all agreed on that one. Moving on to Bears versus Lions. Bears making some interesting uh, decisions at quarterback this year, uh, bringing in Foles when you clearly had some pretty good veteran options uh, for on the cheap, but you brought Foles in and decided to pay his $21 million contract, and then you decided to start Trubisky, um, you know, really believing in that number two pick. So my question for this game given Trubisky's risky history, will Trubisky be benched before this game is over? And will they turn the ball over to Foles? Uh, Tyler, let's start with you. I'm going to say no. I think the Bears are really blinded uh, by making Trubisky really work. I think it's going to take a couple couple games. So, no. No, not because he's good, but because Matt Nagy's that bad. Correct. And the organization is so far up his ass. Graham. I think he plays the full game to much of the Bears fans' dismay. You know what? I'll go against the group. I think that he does. Like, I, I think he will get benched at some point, and not due to injury or anything like that. I think they will just have had enough in the first game and just show that they don't know what they're doing. Moving on, Dolphins versus New England is a new era in the AFC East. Like I said earlier, Cam Newton gets the start over it with the Patriots, and Fitzmagic is set to be the starter of the Dolphins. Fitzmagic is the reason that the Patriots got a wildcard spot, pulling off some true magic and defeating the Patriots in week 17 and making most everyone outside of the Boston area very happy. My question this week is, does Fitzmagic strike again? Do the Dolphins, like, like, does he have a great game? And do the Dolphins pull off back-to-back wins for the first time in a very long time? Let's start with Graham. Yes, absolutely. Tyler. Uh, yes. Uh, Logan. No, but I expect to see some Fitz magic on the field or off the field. I, because it's, well, I was about to say, because, like, I'm also going to say no, because my first thought was like, well, it's in New England, and we all know how that turned out last year, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say no. All right. Up next, we got Eagles versus the Washington football team. That's right, the newly branded Washington football team. Uh, These, you know, these are two teams with, an influx of receiver, much like the Jets and Bills game. Um, uh, Terry McLaurin really stepped it up for Washington last year. And now Deshaun Jackson is going to have to be the number one with the Eagles receiving core riddled by injuries. Will Terry McLaurin have more receiving yards by the end of the game, or will Deshaun Jackson? I'm going to start, and I'm going to say Terry. By, like, by a long shot. Graham. I'm going to say Deshaun Jackson because Philly's going to be playing from behind and have to throw a lot more. Hmm. I like your, I like your logic. Logan? I'm going to say Deshaun Jackson because you can only throw to a tight end so many times. Tyler? Uh, I'm also going to say Deshaun Jackson. Zach Ertz can only handle so much. <laughs> Man, I'm all alone again. I love it. All right. Up next, we got Raiders versus Panthers. Uh, we have two. We have interesting situations in quarterback this year with Derek Carr. Um, kind of, this is his make or break year, to be honest. Uh, but he has not really been shown to chuck the ball down the field that much. And the Panthers starting Teddy Bridgewater, a man who arguably had the start in Minnesota, but then with due to injury and has had to regain his confidence. Who do we say is going to have more 
checkdown passes, meaning passes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Do we say Carr or do we say Teddy? Uh, let's start with Tyler on this one. Uh, I'm going to say Derek Carr. Uh, Graham. I'm going with Teddy ball game. It's like, I also say Teddy because I just feel like they want to get him um, back into the swing of things as a starter. Logan. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is not going to give himself check downs. I'm going Teddy Bridgewater. All right. Moving on to Graham's favorite game of the week, Colts versus Jaguars. It is a new era in Indianapolis after the sad departure of uh, Andrew Luck last year. They really, uh, you know, did fairly well with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. But now Phillip Rivers, after so many years in the San Diego's last Los Angeles Chargers, has made his way to Indianapolis and looks to try to, like, push this team to a playoffs. Meanwhile, the Jaguars just doing a firehouse sale, um, arguably trying to go to get the number one pick and get Trevor Lawrence. But this year, they're going to rely on Gardner Minshew, who had a very solid season last year with 21 touchdowns and only six interceptions. But the question is, who has more interceptions in this game with the Jaguars clearly looking to not do so well and the Colts um, with (laughs) running gun rivers? Let's go with Graham to start. Minshew is going to throw more interceptions. In this game? Uh, Yes, and in life. It will take a long time. Uh, Tyler? It's, it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a uh, free-for-all, but I do think Gardner Minshew is going to throw at least one more. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say Minshew as well. Logan. Ty. They're both putting up a pair of picks. I didn't even make a column three. Damn it, Logan. <laughs> bu <Bu-bu-bu-boosh>. boosh <laughs> Gosh dang you, Logan. I like the way you think. Moving on to Seahawks versus Falcons. Uh, the Seahawks, you know, traditionally have had a very, you know, known for the Legion of Boom, but last year had a very uh, solid front seven. Uh, line didn't have much pass rushing, but the defensive line and the linebacking core um, held a respectable line of 117 rush yards per game. Again, not the best, but, you know, you could do a lot worse in this league. Um, and the Falcons tra- testing out a new running back in Todd Gurley after spending the start of his career in L.A., has made his way home to Atlanta. Uh, Gurley has struggled, like last year, uh, with injury and getting back to form. Does Gurley open the season with a 100-yard rushing game? Yes or no? And I'll start this one. I'm going to say no. Graham? I'm going to go with yes. Over. All right. Uh, Logan? No. Resounding no. Yeah, Tyler? Uh, I'm going to say yes, but it's pretty close. I'm thinking like 110. All right. Okay, moving on to the afternoon slate uh, of games we haven't talked about. We got Chargers versus Bengals. This is the opening debut of uh, the number one pick, Joe Burrow, uh, clearing like the number one spot for QB. They're just going to let the rookie go. Meanwhile, the Chargers uh, suffering a significant loss in Derwin James due to season-ending injury. Um, are now going to rely on a pretty solid secondary uh, that only allowed 200 uh, passing yards or 200.25 yards per game. I'll be accurate in stats. So the question for this one is, does Joe Burrow throw for 200 yards? Yes or no? Uh, Let's start with Logan on this one. 300 yards for Mr. Joe Burrow. So that is a yes. (laughs) Uh, Graham. Yes, absolutely. 
I do not think it'll be much more than 200, but I also agree that he, they will get 200 yards. Tyler. I will say 200. He may have a couple picks, but he's going to get over that 200 mark. Okay. Moving on to Cardinals versus 49ers. Uh, Cardinals picking up a clear number one option in, for receiving uh, for Kyler Murray in terms of DeAndre Hopkins. Meanwhile, the 49ers are going to look to rely on George Kittle again, who was their leading receiver last year with well over 1,000 yards rushing. Does, like, who finishes this game with more receiving yards, George Kittle or DeAndre Hopkins? Logan. Kittle, because they have no one else to throw to. Uh, I am also going to go with Kittle. Graham? Hopkins by, like, 50. Hopkins by 50. Tyler? It's close, but I think Kittle's going to get more in the end. Kittle more in the end. All right. All right, moving on to the Sunday night game, Cowboys versus Rams. Um, this is, these are teams who have struggled in recent years, both missed the playoffs last year after having very solid seasons the previous year, uh, and both are looking to um, capitalize a strong start to the season. Uh, both have made moves to try to bolster their offense uh, through the draft, uh, with Cowboys drafting CeeDee Lamb and the Rams drafting Van Jefferson late and also getting a new running back in Cam Akers. Who do we think is going to have more total yards in this game in teams that are very used to having high yardage games? Do we think the Cowboys or the Rams? Uh, Let's start with Tyler on this one. Again, close one. I think it's going to be Dallas in the end. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a nice game on on the ground, so I think Dallas. All right. Graham? Uh, I'm going to say Dallas by a mile. Maybe literally. <laughs> wow. Uh, I am also going to have to go with Dallas on this one. Logan? Dallas. Everyone picking the same thing. All right, moving on to the Monday night game, Steelers versus Giants. Um, it's no secret that TJ Watt has made his name known in the defensive world. Uh, definitely the clear leader of the defense. Uh, in a team stacked with defensive talent. Meanwhile, the Gi- the Giants' defense uh, is going through a little bit of a transition period after, uh, you know, just having some off years uh, ever since the departure of Michael Strahan and all that. So, who do we think is going to have more sacks by the end of the night? T.J. Watt or the Giants' defense as a collective unit? Uh, let us start with Logan on this one. I think T.J. Watt gets at least half a sack, so I'm going with Watt. Okay. Uh, Tyler. I think TJ Watt is going to have a few more. All right, Graham. I think the Steelers line isn't going to be able to hold up and Ben just stays too long in the pocket anyway. So I'm going to go with the Giants defense. Giants defense. Because you think the Steelers defense is going to get the defensive line is going to snipe some from Watt? Uh, no, I think that, uh, Ben is going to hold the ball in the pocket for too long. Like he always does and Mm. get railroaded. It's like two or three times yeah I, th- I think i'm gonna have to, like i like tj watt but i think i'm gonna have to go with a collective unit on this one so giants and finally we're gonna go to titans versus broncos to finish out week one um you know big name uh, big news with the titans obviously after coming off their almost super bowl appearance is that they went out and got Jadavion Clowney. J- Clowney only got three sacks last season but was a resounding force on the seahawks line uh, becoming the fifth best player in terms of the pass rush win rate, meaning that he blo- beat his blockers in under 2.5 seconds, the fifth best in the NFL. So my question to you this week is, 
like with such a low sack count but a high pressure count, does Clowney get one sack on Drew Locke? Yes or no? I will start this, and I'm going to say n- no. Uh, Graham. I'm going to go with no. No. All right. Uh, Tyler. I'm going to go with no as well. And Logan. What's that word that means the opposite of yes? Uh, I believe you said tie earlier. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with no on this one. All right, guys. Well, with that, I believe that concludes the first episode of the Internet Football Podcast. <laughs> Can't get over that name right now. Um, I want to thank y'all. If y'all stuck around and listened to this, I uh, just want to say thank you. Um, had a lot of fun doing this, and I'm, I like talking with my friends about football and something I'm passionate about, and I look forward to hopefully doing this for the rest of the season. Um, thank you all for joining me, uh, my hosts especially. Thank you for trying this out. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Of course. Any any time. All right. And uh, and we will see you next week for another three games. Uh, we will be deciding that during the week after, or actually we'll be deciding that after the week one. Kind of, we have some ideas of who we want to talk about, but, you know, just kind of want to see how week one goes, maybe finalize some things. But until next time, have a great day. Stay safe out there. Bye. <laughs>